Real Cuff Radio is about to begin. Everybody loves a hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. Welcome to Real Cuff Radio. And we've got another Hollywood couple on tonight. But I'm really excited about this one because this is such a loving couple. And you'll understand as we get into the story, we have Julianne and her husband, Butch Hartman, on the phone. And Julianne is an actress and a producer and director. And Butch, how do you call yourself? You're, you're a cartoonist? Well, um, yeah, I'm a cartoonist uh, primarily, but um, I've created uh, a bunch of animated shows for Nickelodeon. I've worked in Hollywood for 35 years. So I'm not just a cartoonist. I'm also a writer, a producer, a director, and an actor as well. Do you do any of the, the uh, sound acting? The... You mean the voice acting on the show? Voice over dub and all that? Uh, I do do some of it, yeah, but normally I'm directing the other actors that are far more... Uh, more talented than I am, but I, I, I definitely, I've directed every vocal session of the Fairly Odd Parents, just about, give or take a few, and uh, that's one of my shows, the Fairly Odd Parents, and uh, I've, I've, I'm very hands-on with all my creations, all my, uh, all my shows I've designed, I've written uh, with the help of a crew, I've made them uh, into amazing animated shows, and they've been on, Fairly Odd Parents, my, my, my first show has been on the air for 18 years, since 2001. And my other shows have been on uh, between five and six years each, and uh, they're just a lot of fun. We we produce live action shows, and um, we have a foundation, my wife and I, and we we we've been in Hollywood for 35 years, and really want to impact culture in a big way. So we're going to start with Julianne talking about her testimony, but first I want to say, kind of how I heard of her testimony. Somebody, I you know, I had a I have a cataract or I've had this thing in my left eye. And I went to the doctor and he said, basically, you're going to have to have cataract surgery. Well, somebody sent me a video from Andrew Womack. And it was about this lady and she has this kind of tunnel vision. It's called it's something cone disease. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's basically... Uh, rod yeah. cone, yeah. Rod cone, yeah. You're looking through a straw is, is how they said it. Well, I saw that video and I'm thinking, now, wait a minute, because... My aunt and uncle have a huge ministry down in Mexico, and they speak for Andrew Womack like every year. And their name is, is Bobby and Lynn Crow. And so they speak at his church every year. So I write my aunt, and I said, how long have y'all been affiliated with Andrew Womack? And they said, 37 years. And I'm saying, yeah. 37 years? And I've never seen one of these videos. And he has like 40-something videos on YouTube. And this, I'm going through them, and that's where I saw yours, Julianne, the problems you had. And, and I mean, every woman going through menopause needs to see your video. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was just crazy. I showed my wife it, and she got all excited. And uh, I thought, well, we, we've got to have you on telling your testimony. Um, now, one of the things I found really interesting you know, I worked in a, a battered women's shelter for a while. I, I read on your 
one of your papers or whatever that I guess Andrew Womack put it out, but it said when your mom took you out of, out of the situation you were in, she said they, she changed your name. So your father couldn't find you. And I thought, wow, that's smart. And I've never heard anybody say that. I told my wife, I'm going to mention that because that's probably a really good idea with some of these women that are trying to get away from the situation they're in. But Sure. Well, you know, um, it's interesting because my mother now is 80 years old and she's written a book about her life of being with an abusive man for 16 years. And she was 19 years old when she married him and didn't he was older than him. She was like 12 years older than her. But yeah, that's what happened. We, because uh, where we left, we left one night with literally the shirts on our backs and that was it. And uh, my mom had $20 that she'd stolen out of his pocket. And uh, when he went into, he had uh, literally like thrown the table over. We were making, my mom had made like a seven course meal. Uh, He wasn't happy with it when she didn't make, she, she didn't make steaks. He wanted steaks. She made something called pigs in the blanket, which no one knows what that is. <laughs> anyway. Uh, we know what it is down here. You know what it is? Okay. And so um, so I am nine years old at this time, and I have a sister that's uh, 12, and the other one is 13. And so he didn't like it, and he literally overturned the table. All the food went against the wall, and he took a knife to her throat, and we were all watching it. He went into the back, to the back room uh, to do something, and she said, girls, we've got to go now, and we, she said, get your coats, let's go. We didn't even have time to do that because we could hear him kind of shuffling around, so we literally ran out the door. She had, like I said she, earlier, she had stolen $20 out of his pocket of a jacket that he had, and so we went wandering in, in, around the neighborhood in the park. We didn't know where to go. We finally got to a like a, like a park where there was like tennis courts and, you know, like a baseball uh, diamond and stuff. And all of a sudden, here it comes. There's a car that comes driving across the, the park, the grass. My mom said, it's him, run. So we all had to run for our lives. Unfortunately, my sister, she was running, but she stepped into um, a very deep hole where there was a sprinkler, and it just completely, like, broke her ankle and to the point where she had to have pins put in later on. But anyway... So we were hiding behind a bush when he gets out of the car. And, and my mom, we, the three of us went to one bush, but my mom was kind of stuck out in the open. And so he started chasing her on foot and she was running. And it was one of those moments where we all three just screamed, Mom, run! You know, it was almost like a cartoon where her feet just sped up. And she got away from him. And then he got in his car and he was driving around trying to find us behind the bushes and stuff. And he couldn't. Finally, a couple hours later, he went away. It was all in Huntington Beach, California. And we were wandering the street, called my mom's sister and said, we need help. You know, is there any way you can take us in? And she said, absolutely. Try, you know, we'll, we'll send somebody to come get you. And so they did. And so because of that, when we ended up getting our own place, we got a one-room apartment. Not in one bedroom, but in one room. And we all lived, the four of us, my, mom, my sisters and I and my mom, we lived in one room. And he knew we were somewhere around there because we were in school in that area. So my mom got bleached and bleached out our last names on our um, birth certificates. All three of us started a new school with new last names. But, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it started. You know, as I talked about, you know, any of you want to go to the website and look at the healing journey. You know, that's where where fear really, like, started to sit in. And 
try to take its place in my life. That's understandable when you're a little girl and you don't know what the heck is going on. The man that you trusted just tried to kill your family. That would be a little odd and awkward and weird and horrible. And that also makes it hard for you to trust in a heavenly father when you have such a terrible father here on earth. You know, that's interesting that you say that because we teach a Bible study on Wednesday night here in our place in Calabasas. And that was one thing the Lord really shared with me to, to talk to the group about. And it was first, I could not trust a man. I really couldn't. I just, I, and I know obviously, and later in life, you know, I, I only became a Christian 20 years ago and I'm 56. So I spent the first, obviously the first 36 years of my life not knowing Jesus at all. And so, yeah, I just, I didn't trust anybody. As a matter of fact, probably in my first 10 years of like dating and stuff, I was really out to hurt men more than I was to be, you know, to be a, a helpmate or to be a spouse or anything. That was before I met my husband, of course. And I really would, I, I would just, it, it would be like almost like a game for me would be to, to try to hurt a man just as much as I was hurt. But I didn't realize it, you know what I mean, until later. Like, why would, why would I do that? What would be the point of that? So you had a lot of fear and a lot of pain. I said, so the, the, all the fear and the pain you had, that's what brought on all these problems? Well, I mean, you know, this is kind of like years and years, not just when that happened, because I wasn't sick then. In 2008, there was a, a series of things that happened. I just pretty much had my identity in something else. And I knew Jesus at the time. I just didn't know him as healer. I knew him as healer for other people, but I never thought about him as healer for me because I didn't need any healing. It's funny because we tend to get to know him on the level that we need him. All day long I can tell you about how God wants us to prosper financially, but I couldn't tell you about how God wanted me healed. Like I said, there was a chain of events that happened in 2008. I was an athlete at the time, and I worked out six days a week, six hours a day, when I started not feeling well, first I went to Western doctors and they just wanted to give me medication and said, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. We, we believe it's uh, fibromyalgia. Here, take this. This will make you at least feel better, but it won't get rid of it. I remember looking on the back of the uh, package and I said, because I actually bought the medication. And I said, well, so I, I didn't take it. I went back for an appointment. I said, do you, did you know that this causes cancer? And the doctor said, well, it's not going to, you're not going to get cancer. I said, well, how do you know that? Because it says here that this may cause cancer. He said, well, that's one out of a thousand. I said, well, how would you feel if I was one of those thousands? And he said, well, you're, it's not, it, it won't affect you. You can take it for a short amount of time and, you know, that would never affect you. I said, yeah, but I don't even want to take a chance. So that's when I started going to alternative doctors and Unfortunately, that ended up, that's where the money came in. We spent over $300,000 on doctors and therapies and medication that I wouldn't even take. And it was crazy because I would buy what they would say and then I'd get it home and I wouldn't take it. And my husband would say, what did you buy? And I'd be like, well, they said I should take it. And he said, well, why are you not taking it? You know, and I said, because I don't want to take it. I know Jesus is my healer, and I'm not doing this. So, again, you know, this is Julianne's story. And I would story. say, why are we spending money on all this medicine? Yeah. So this is my yeah. story. This is, not, this is not for me to tell you to go do whatever with your, with your medication or anything. This is my story. And so, anyway, so we had, we had a whole counter full of all kinds of different therapies and stuff, and I just – I just couldn't see myself taking them. But one time I took some medic, this, um, uh, it was, you know, like it was uh, homeopathic or maybe something a little more than homeopathic. Actually, you know what? These were Chinese herbs. 
And this doctor that I went to, I mean, it took me six months to get in to see him. And I'm like, he is my answer. Like, this is it. He's my answer. I'm going to feel better. All this is going to go away. He, he said that this is very mild. He said, because you're very sensitive. And so I said, okay, well, that's good. Thank you. So I got it home. And in the capsule, I, I pulled the capsule apart and I poured out half of it in the sink. So mind you, he already made it, you know, he watered it down. Uh, so to say, and um, and then I took it and I halved it, and I sat for like eight hours in my house shaking, and I couldn't stop shaking. And you, you did take it. Yeah, I took it and then until it wore off, and I'm trying to call his office and and no one's answering. All the voicemail is saying, "Sorry, we're not in on Thursdays," and I'm like, "Oh my God, I'm gonna die! I can't believe that no one is there." And they give you something, and my body is reacting so badly. So that was the main reason why um, that I wouldn't take anything, because I couldn't stand to have that kind of effect again. And I just said, wait a minute. If Jesus is my healer, then he's my healer. And that's it. But there were times, and I just want to say this, because I know that people do get scared. I would get scared. And I would run to the doctor, and I'd literally be in the parking lot going, I don't want to go in here, but I'm too afraid not to. I would sit in my car and I would just be, you know, tortured in my car saying, do I go? Do I not go? You know, a lot of times, unfortunately, some alternative medicine turns into new age. And so I would never know what I was going to face when I walked in. Was this going to be a new age doctor? Was this going to be like a true alternative medicine doctor? I just didn't know. And again, these were like probably the, the most darkest moments of my life, basically, God, I just said, this is it. After messing with it for so long, I'd seen Andrew when I was visiting my mom in Texas. So I'm on I, TV. Yeah, so I'm, on, sorry, so I'm on TV. And my mom had every TV on in the house when she would go to work. I would bring our daughters to Texas to see her over the summer for a couple of weeks. And in 2008, I'd seen him, and I was like, God, that guy is so boring. I don't know how anybody could actually, like, watch him and not fall asleep. And so second year comes around, 2009. Same thing. This is like in the summer. And then that fall, I was home. And I never do this. Like, I went and had lunch, and I actually turned on my TV in my house, and I'd never done that. Very wise. And I went, I said to my, my girlfriend, she was actually my sister, and I said, look, there's that guy, that boring guy again. Now he's on on TBN. It was just something that he said about healing. And I said, hold the phone. And I literally put it on pause, and I rewound back. And I went forward and I rewound back and I went forward and I said, wait a minute, this is something I've never heard before and I think this is something that, that is, that's for me. And I just went and downloaded everything that he'd ever said. You know, I did, did I get healed overnight? Oh, I wish I would have. But I, I didn't. And it was a journey. That's why they're called healing journeys. Because it wasn't just the sickness. It was the sickness of my mind because depression had set in. And when depression sets in, that's a whole other problem. And then also every doctor said, oh, menopause. It, it, all this depression and, uh, brought on early menopause when, you know, gosh, all the hormones, everything went crazy. I mean, i tell you something. I don't want anybody to ever go through it. But I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I know Jesus is healer more than I could say a lot of people I know Jesus is healer because of that. Well, there was one point in the video, and, it, and like I said, I don't want to give away too much because I want people to go and watch these videos because it, it'll change your life. 
Oh, yeah. Then you know what? That, you're right. And that's what I did. I, you asked my husband. I never watched TV. I never did anything, but I just, when I was done with, you know, like whatever I needed to do for the day, I would sit on my iPad and I would watch every single healing journey over and over and over. And Nikki Ochensky was the one that really did it for me because she was the closest, symptoms were the closest thing that I was experiencing. Yeah, Nikki's is wonderful. You know, truthfully, every one of them has some kind of gold nugget in it. Yeah. You know, even if it doesn't relate to you or relate to what you're going through, it's still worth watching because every one of them has a, some kind of gold nugget. And I think, I think I counted like 48 of them. Well, you can go to Andrew's uh, website and they're all on there and they're on the updated ones are on there as well. Well, I'm a, I'm a watcher. My wife is a reader. So I had to order all of his books for her. So she has just started reading you know, his books. One of the things that was really incredible is you tried to get your husband to just leave you the way that he stuck with you. That's why I said this couple talk about special, you know, especially out in the Hollywood area. Most of the time they would have just walked away. Let me tell you, it was when I came back the second time from Texas from visiting my mom with our girls. I never forget we were at a grocery store in the parking lot and I just was not doing well at all. And he said, you know, I really thought you were going to come back different. And I said, yeah, I did too. I really did. I said, but I'm not. This is how much I was deceived. I said, you need to leave. I think you need to leave. I think that um, your life would be much better. I think I'm slowing you down. I think I'm bringing you down. You know, I said, you know, our girls are amazing and um, they'll be okay, but I just don't want to see you have to go through this every day. You you know, he, he, he's an animator. He's in cartoons. He, he laughs all day, and then he comes home and sees me. And I'm like this depressed, sad, lump, you know, sweaty mess from all the menopause. And I just felt so bad for him. But he said no. I mean, he, it wasn't one of those moments you see on what I call Instaphony, you know, where he, they're like, oh, and they lived happily ever after kind of thing. And he picks me up and swings me around and says, oh, I'll never leave you. No, it was like, look, I, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not happy about this. I'm not, I don't want, be, there are times I don't even want to be here. I just want to just turn around and go back to my office. He said, but I, I made a vow to you and I made a vow to God and I will never, ever go um, and, and do something like that, go against my covenant that I made with you. So I was like, well, all right. <laughs> Let's talk about when you finally caught revelation of what you've been hearing and where it really took hold. Yeah, well, I just kept on uh, absorbing, literally drinking, eating, uh, anything I could to get this mindset changed. See, that's the problem. And one thing I want to add, too, you know, Andrew, what I loved about him in the very beginning of what I was, when I was listening to him, he would always say, guys, I'm not the healer. Don't seek after me. Because I had a problem I wanted to touch the hem of Andrew's garment for a while there because I was like, oh, my gosh, if he could just pray for me. And we even went to Colorado, and I was so sad because we missed – because Andrew is just amazing. He will sit out front the beginning of of a, a conference, and he will just pray with hundreds of people. And so we missed it. We got there a little bit too late. And then afterward, he had left the stage before I could get to him. 
But I kept telling my husband, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I didn't, I didn't have Andrew pray for me. You know, I just know if Andrew prays for me, which that's not true. But I didn't know that back then. So I'm just telling your listeners, it's a whosoever. It's not Andrew. And just because Andrew has 50 years' experience of being an evangelist, a TV evangelist, and being, you know, and walking in, in the Word and, and seeing miraculous healings and people being raised from the dead, that he has no more power than what I have or you have or anybody out there listening if you said yes to Jesus. So, um, so that was something that I really had to learn. And, and, you know, really what it is, it's a mindset. You have to change your mind. You have to change the way you think. It, you have to do that. It's, that part is up to you. It's like when, when God says, you know, in the Old Testament, that I give you the power to get wealth. Well, he didn't say, I'm giving you the wealth. He said, I'm giving you the ability, the opportunities, and the dunamis power, right, in any part of your life to get wealth, to heal people, to be healed yourself, and all of that. And that's where I think that Christians are just kind of going into the slaughterhouse every day not realizing what's on the inside of them. And that's really what had to happen. And thank God through Andrew's teaching that he led me there. He did not heal me. You know what I mean? He led me to have an identity of who I was in Christ so that healing took over in my body. Well, and people you know, need to understand, too, is that you were not instantly healed. Even though I have seen God instantly heal people, the majority of the time it's not instant. You know, it's, it's a progress. At one time this lady told me, she said, I prayed and asked God. I said, God, why didn't you heal me when I first prayed? And he said, well, you actually came and spent time with me, and I didn't want to let that go. When you didn't need anything, you didn't spend any time with me. Well, the thing is, is that we know that healing is a part of the atonement. For me, like I said, it had nothing to do with Jesus. It had everything to do with me. I was the one that would, couldn't receive it, couldn't accept it. I've seen, listen, I would lay hands on people and they would get miraculously healed. But when you have a mental illness like that, depression, you have to change your mind. Things have, you have to change your thinking patterns. You have to change the way you think on a minute-to-minute basis. For me, maybe someone else doesn't. Hey, maybe someone else can just be set free in a second. But that wasn't my case because I wish I would have been. But, see, I wasn't willing to let go of the woe with me. I wasn't willing to let go of all the horrific things I was feeling in my body. I wasn't willing to let go of me magnifying all the symptoms. I wasn't willing to let go of that until... I got up enough, um, I don't even know what you want to call it, you know, spiritual strength to say, wait a minute. You know, one time I'll never forget, I was making dinner, I was standing against the counter, and I went, it's like all of a sudden I went, wait, healing is really easy. What the heck have I been doing all this time? I mean, all I have to do is walk in it, like just believe it and walk in it, like because it's already been done that it's already been taken care of on the cross, and I'm sitting here trying to do it on my own? That was ridiculous. I realized then what a waste of time, you know, that it took for me to try to figure out all this in my own strength and, 
you know, it was just deception on my part. I will definitely have them attach Andrew's video to this radio show so that way they can go directly there and watch your your testimony because it, it really is that good. And I thought the quality and the filming of it was done very well. That was you know, great. So, yeah. Um, well, Butch, let's talk about you now. Well, I mean, I should have started. I'm, I'm definitely not as interesting as she is. <laughs> yes, but you're the cartoon man. And uh, <laughs> you, you draw one of my favorite characters, Timmy, because I have a son named Timmy. So we've always said, oh, wait, Timmy, you're on TV. There you go. Yeah, that, uh, that character, Timmy Turner, came after my youngest brother, Tim Hartman. And I have three brothers. And, uh, yeah, he's named after uh, my youngest. So uh, that's the great thing about doing your own cartoon. You can name the characters whatever you want. Yeah, so you want to tell us a little bit, I mean, especially working in Hollywood, being a Christian, yep. um, you know, it, it's not the uh, easiest thing, but, man, God has blessed you in your field. Well, hallelujah. You know, um, you know, being a Christian in Hollywood is easy if you know how to navigate. You know, like in any Christian situation, we never want to go up and wag our finger in people's faces and tell them how wrong they are. That's the wrong thing to do. You know, we're supposed to approach every situation with love and understanding. And when you do that, people are very tolerant of, of everything. And, um, you know, it's, it's our job to, to be loving to them. The Bible says love your neighbor as yourself, and we have to love them. You know, again, I'm, I'm just a guy who likes cartoons and wants to do great stories. I go into my office, I do great stories, and oh, by the way, you know, if anybody cares to ask me, I, I am a Christian person. If they have any questions about the Bible, I'll be happy to give them, uh, to, I'll have to give them answers. A lot of people have misconceptions about Christians because um, the media has portrayed Christians in a negative light in many, for many, many years. So uh, people will go with those preconceived notions sometimes. But when you really get to know a Christian who just wants to do a great job, and affect the world in a positive way, I think it can all work out. I heard a story about how you came up with your character, Danny... Uh, Danny Phantom. Phantom? Yep. You want to tell that story? Sure. Uh, well, I was doing a show called The Fairly Odd Parents at Nickelodeon for about two years, and it was going really well. The head of Nickelodeon took me out to dinner and said, do you have any other ideas? And I said, yes, I have this idea. It's kind of a comic book idea, like a superhero called Danny Phantom. I thought of the idea because I was in a... It was funny... I was uh, moving my mother out from Las Vegas to California to live with me. And I had to put her in a moving van. I flew out to Vegas, put her in a moving van. I was driving the moving van. And uh, during the drive, it's a long drive from Vegas to California, so I had about five hours. I thought, well, I know Nickelodeon's looking for a brand-new boys action show. If I could come up with a really cool name for it, I'd be, that'd be half the battle. Like, you know, there was a show on when I was a kid called Johnny Quest. And I thought that was a really cool name for a show. So if I could come up with a really cool name, that'll be great. So I started to come up with words like quest, race, lightning, power, and I finally settled on Phantom. I thought, oh, Phantom's a cool name. What about Danny Phantom? That's how I came up with the name. And then I decided to come up with the show idea from there. So, was, so the show idea came about because I was in a movie van with my mom. How funny is that? I think that's incredible. And it just shows you that God's always working on us. And just little things like that. You know, we don't always give him the credit, but those ideas and stuff come from him. And well, they then, sure do. And, and what, what people have to realize is that, you know, as a Christian person, your ideas are supposed to be in the marketplace. 
you know, I was a Christian guy in Hollywood. I wasn't like just in a Christian company. And that's fine if you're in a Christian company. Nothing wrong with that. But if you're in Hollywood or anywhere else, if you're at Walmart, if you're at a, at a you know, at a software company, if you're at, um, you know, uh, McDonald's, wherever, wherever you are is where you're supposed to be. That's, you know, you're in the marketplace. That's what a Christian's supposed to do is affect the world. We're not supposed to just stay in church and, and hope everything goes away. We're supposed to go seek and save the lost. And that's what we're supposed well, I, to do. I like what you said about, so when, when your producer asked you, do you have any other shows, You've, you already had it in hand. And you said, always be ready. And I thought, well, you know, that's an excellent advice. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, think about it. Um, my wife gets tired of hearing me say this, but I always say that opportunities are like comets. You know, they're really cool. They're really beautiful. Uh, but they don't come around very often. And it might be a long time until you see another one. So you better take that opportunity while it's there. So always be ready for the opportunity. There's a scripture in the Bible about the virgins uh, with the untrimmed lamps. Some of the virgins had oil in their lamps, and some didn't. And when the bridegroom came, those that didn't have the oil were begging off the oil of the ones who were ready. And the ones who were ready said, we, don't, we can't give you any of our oil because then none of us will have any. Go get your oil. And then by the time they got back, the bridegroom, the opportunity was gone. They were not prepared. Yep, be prepared. Uh, and so when you have an opportunity, like having a show on television, don't ever take it for granted. It's a great mission field for you. People think the only mission field is going to Africa or going overseas, and those are great mission fields. But there's a huge mission field uh, right here in America. And also, on, you know, when you have a television program, I couldn't put any overtly Christian messages in my shows and I didn't but I can do a show about happiness I can do a show about love I can do a show about laughing you know I can do a show about joy and um, you know make uh, put a positive influence out there well one thing about the shows that you do that they're good clean family humor um, because there are cartoons out there that I wouldn't let my kids watch you know they were just <laughs> trash and there's still some out there you shouldn't let your kids watch. But, yeah, um, look, you know, a lot of people want attention, and they'll make things to shock people. Uh, it's nothing new. And, by the way, um, again, a lot of those cartoons, people try and shock people, they don't last very long. The ones that last long are the ones that really touch the person's heart, that touch a family's heart, that touch a, you know, if you, if you can, uh, uh, you know, entertain a family by touching their heart and giving them something that they love, they're going to want to follow you even more. So that's what I tried to do as best as I could. You're no longer with Nickelodeon. You left Nickelodeon. What are you doing now? And where can we find you? Oh, well, thank you. I'm on all social media. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. And my wife and I are uh, starting a brand-new streaming service. It's for the family. It's family-focused entertainment. It's called OAXIS Entertainment. That's O as in oh no, O-A-X-I-S. It's AXIS with an O, OAXIS Entertainment. And it's going to be 100% family-friendly entertainment, and it should be out. We're shooting for the year 2020. Sometime in 2020 it'll be out. It'll contain nothing but good, uh, uh, high-quality, family-focused stuff. So you're going to do more than just cartoons. It's going to also be... Oh, yeah. uh, Oh yeah. Oh good. Yeah, we're gonna. Good. Oh yeah, we're gonna do live action uh, um, shows, sitcoms, dramas, uh, sports. We're gonna do um, 
a good news channel that shows only the good news. We're going to have a game show channel. We're going to have documentary uh, channel, realities, uh, reality shows, all of that stuff. We're going to have everything you'd see on a top-rated um, streaming service. We're going to have just like it. Let me ask you this: Any comedy shows? Absolutely. <laughs> well, good. I I'll be sending you something. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, we're definitely going to have comedy for sure. In fact, that's my bread and butter is comedy. I love comedy. Well, good. So I did want to say something about now on YouTube, you've got a lot of episodes that you have done since you left. Um, and there was one called the food challenge with the cartoon. Yes. Now I have to say, whoever cooked your, the ratatouille didn't cook it right. Because if it's done oh. well, it's fantastic. <laughs> oh, God. Both me and my wife are both chefs, and, and y'all are going, oh, that's terrible. And I'm thinking, uh, wait a minute. Well, I who cooked, the, the, one, the, the one who cooked it was my uh, 16-year-old daughter, and we were doing it really fast, and she just threw the things in it. The, the joke was how fast they could get it to us, yeah. So that was not cooked by a professional, that's for sure. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing this network come out. Any other stories you want to share with us? Well, we just want to encourage people out there, if you're a Christian, if, if you're a, a Christian person, just know that Jesus Christ loves you, and, it's, and his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. If you're, if you're in Christ, it's supposed to be easier, not harder. Yeah, and also, Butch and I, for the last 10 years, have really focused on trying to help people, you know, just getting, because one thing about going back to my story was um, I just, uh, I don't, I, about the reason I'm bringing this up is because we do a conference, we have a book, we have a radio show called Vision Possible. And basically what that is, is we do, we do conferences um, to help bring out people's vision, whatever God has called them to do. And so it's a two-day, 17-hour intensive and like super intense workshop. And so the reason why that it's really special to us is, is that you know, back in 2008, I'd gone to this doctor, this very strange kind of crazy alternative doctor, and I remember I, he had me sit down. And he goes, I want to do something with you. And I was like, okay. And he said, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to visualize your, a, not your house, but a house. And I said, okay. So I closed my eyes, and all I could see was black. And uh, he'd say, and I'd say, well, I can't see anything. And he'd say, well, he said, I want you to really try. And I'd say, well, I can't see anything. He goes, okay. So the next time I went back, same thing at the end of whatever we were doing, um, he said, I want you to do that exercise again. I want you to sit here for a minute. I want you to close your eyes and visualize a house and tell me what you see. Nothing. I can only see black. I couldn't see anything when I shut my eyes. So the third week it comes, same thing, black. It was like the fourth or fifth week, I'm not sure which one, where all of a sudden I started seeing a house. I saw like the shape of it. And then the next week I saw the windows. And then the next week I saw the fence and I saw the material they used on the house. I mean, it took me about seven, eight weeks to be able to see something. And so that's why I know that when people are not well, when people are sick, when people are depressed, they lose their vision. And, you know, the Bible is very clear about when you don't have vision, you know, that, um, People don't, won't last, you know, they'll, they'll die early. And so anyway, that's one reason why we started all this is because we really want to help people out there, whether they're just starting, 
or they've been going and they need just a little bit of, more of a, an encouragement and a help and, you know, to get them to actually maybe to look at it, their business in a different way, to bring on some new ideas. We have um, our daughter Carly is a social media genius. Another gentleman from Karis Bible College, actually, he works there. His name is Nathaniel Spears, and they are just both marketing gurus. I mean, they're just amazing. And early so, 20s. Sure. Yeah, early 20s. And Nathaniel was making six figures at like 18 years old. They come along with us, and the workshop is, like I said, very intensive, and all four of us, are just up there at all different times, bringing everything out of them and giving them uh, practicality out of how to do this. Now, what to do Monday. You know, a big thing when I've been to conferences, you're there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you're so excited. You walk out of there all pumped up. And then Sunday night, fear starts to creep in because you're like, what do I do now? How do I do all this? I was so excited. What do I do on Monday? Like what starts? So that's kind of what we really focus on is what does your Monday look like after you've been here and we've shown you a lot. Now, how do you put that, how do you digest that and make it happen starting Monday morning? So that's what we're doing. It's called Vision Possible. Our next one is in uh, Louisville, Texas on March 22nd and 23rd. And then we do Colorado Springs in April and We've done one in Illinois. We've done one in uh, Calabasas, which is the area that we're in. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's, like, amazing. We have a radio show every Saturday at 1230. Called Vision Possible. Yeah, we have a face, uh, public Facebook page, Vision Possible, where we go on live every Sunday to give them tips and um, encouragement on starting their week. So, yeah, it's just a bunch of things. But we're just... Really excited. Our main thing is we just want to help people, whatever that means. And what is the book called? It's called Vision Possible as well. It's like 12 bucks on Amazon. Well, I may try to be there at the Louisville because that's close. That, you know, that's maybe two hours away or something. That would so be awesome. Just, I'd love to meet you, you. We want to make this our biggest conference yet. This will be our third one. I want to thank you all for coming on. I was going to say, you, Julie? Are you still working out five and six hours a day? Because it sounds like you probably need it. Wow. <laughs> I don't work out. I, I work out five days a week, but I don't work out five or six hours a day. I can't. I don't have that many hours. But one thing about me is I love to work out. So working out is not a problem. I have to limit myself because I really enjoy it. But, no, I, I work out about anywhere between 30 to 60 minutes five days a week. No, I'm just wow. meant by how much you guys are doing. I'm going, that's just how many hours in the day. Wow, phenomenal. I know. We only, have, we only have a limited amount of time on this earth. I know I'm going to live to about 125, but yeah, I, want to spend, I want to spend as much time doing stuff God gave me as possible. I don't ever want to be at the end going, I sure wish I had done that. You know what? It's funny. Um, we, I, we were just at a at a workshop thing that, they put on in, around in our neighborhood. So Barbara, Barbara Corcoran, who is from Shark Tank, she was the speaker. Yes. You know, and she, she even said, too, she, or one of the people that was speaking, I think it was her, but she said, the last thing you want to say when you're up your end is, I shoulda, coulda, woulda, you know? And it's like, oh, no absolutely. I am, you will never find me saying and that. And Christian people, like I, again, we want to just encourage all the Christians out there. Church is great. Obviously, go to church, but man, get out there and do what God tells you to do. You don't have any time to waste. No doubt. What a blessing. Thank you all for coming on. I really appreciate it. It's so nice to meet you, too, Julie. 